This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a lot of fun. Pat Nichols out of Boston, Massachusetts, a retired district chief, 37 years in the department, or almost 37 years. You're sitting there in that beautiful basement of yours with that gorgeous engine front behind you, um, or truck front, I we should say, truck front. Uh, and uh, and then all the memorabilia there. But 37 years in Boston, there's a lot of memories and a lot of experiences to be had, Chief. Thanks for joining me today. appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. So let's hop right into it, man. Dirty 30, right in the background there, Old American LaFrance. Give me the background because a lot of people are going to be curious what that what that's doing in your basement. Well, it's uh, you run into people as you go along through your career, and you never know who you're going to, you know, how it's going to, you you affect somebody or something you say or anything like that. Um, this was a conversation I had when I was a volunteer fireman with um, one of the um, members of the department I was with, um, uh, along with um, another volunteer fireman. The, it was a combination department, so the the other guy was um, a full time career already. Um, the guy, the other guy I was with, ended up to be my brother in law eventually. Um, full time fireman down there. <clears throat> um, 20 years later, the chief and my brother-in-law remember this conversation we have and say, hey, we're scrapping a 1969 American of France, although it's an engine. Do you Are you interested in it? And I said, absolutely. I'll be down in a couple of weeks. He says, no, it's in the scrapyard. It'll be pieces on Monday. Yeah. You need to come and get it this weekend. I'm like, ah, all right, I guess. And it's just like when you go to move. Hey, anybody want to go to Connecticut yeah. and help me move? It? No, no, I got a... Uh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Well, anyway, you got my forward. number now. Give me a call. I would definitely come up and help you move that. I mean, that's um, it's cool. I was surprised how big it was and how heavy it was. But anyway, long story short, Boston had a 1969 American France tractor trailer. And as it turned out, it was uh, disbanded, unfortunately, in 1981, 1982, when we lost quite a few companies in Boston. And um, so when I had an opportunity to paint this and bring it back, <clears throat> I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. it yeah. Stuff I saw. It was 20 years in the making. Um, same story with uh, a guy that does body work and said, I, uh, I just want to have a beer on it. You know, let me do it. And I'm like, okay, here it is. And uh, Bob Stella is a very talented um <clears throat> does a lot of helmet fronts oh yeah he was, he's he's been on my show he he was oh, on my show okay, absolutely well. yeah, so that's bobby's uh that's bobby's gold leaf work uh he um you know he was gracious enough to come down here and uh and the top is uh dorchester district court jury bench we were driving through dorchester on the way back from training <clears throat> our moon island is our training academy and it's on it's literally an island so we had to drive a pretty good distance to get to it out of the city and then back in the city real quickly. But nonetheless, uh, we drive by and uh, we see jury benches in the dumpster. And I'm like, ah, turn around. And uh, so the superintendent comes out and says, what do you firemen want? You know, what do we do wrong? And I said, no, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> so again, tell him the story. He says, hey, give me a hand. Get that, you know, get that out of the dumpster. So we brought it back to the firehouse. And you can imagine on a lot of truck where that might have been uh, of course 18 or 20 feet of yeah right and that's all awesome. had to be put someplace but we anyway we got back and uh so there's the end result of it and uh it was a labor of love it was no no uh, no other than the repainting everything else was uh, elbow grease 
20 years in the making. You had plenty of time to figure out what you wanted and where it was going, no? Oh, I actually built uh, in a house, you know, similar to the basement we have here, but it's a different house. But I built the corner where I was going to put this knowing yes. what I wanted, how big it was going to be. One day. Yeah, one day, someday. Yeah. And then there it was, you know? You know what interesting I... Yeah, go ahead. Well, we just moved here last year, and uh, so it was interesting to move. I had to move that separately. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, this is new construction, and literally the house is built around this. <laughs> I had to take all the door frames out um, to make the corners in the right. back over here right. and through the garage. And it, this is a level, so it, it was easy to get in, but it, we had, a, without taking the, the truck all apart, I yep. ended up having to just you know take the door frames off i can only imagine i've had conversations not like that but probably pretty similar with my wife where you're looking at your house going like well we have to save this area for this and she just looks at you and shakes her head right like okay that's the priority right that's the priority yeah well it is right makes you happy if you think about it though i mean looking at the walls and then you pan the camera around too you have a, a ton of photos and things that are just on the wall memorabilia of your career i mean just the memories and and friendships and stories that you've made over time you know to be able to have all that on display makes for an incredible place to remember your career and the friendships and brotherhood that you've made along the way Yes, and this is one of my, uh, uh, you know, I, I love this room. You know, we have a lot of um, memories down here with people coming and visiting and whatnot, watching games and and uh, overflow, if you will. This is where the adults yeah. come. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And then, but what I what I think is it's like my patio. I have an outdoor patio that's kind of like screened in, and and that's you know the TV on the wall out there, furniture out, yeah. you know the the outdoor uh, wicker furniture out there to sit and have a cigar, have a drink, whatever it is. Yeah. But man, a lot of business gets done there. Like a lot of good conversations, great ideas, you know, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, invite them over after, you know, after the firehouse or something like that and and so on. I mean, same thing at yours. I mean, I'm sure there's been a lot of decisions made around that bar. Well, not many decisions, but um, we have, um, you know, um, if you don't help people or talk to people and get through trouble and, and it doesn't even have to be, fire service stuff it could be life that's yeah. maybe affecting the fire service or just affecting them personally so yeah we have a lot of um you can't see it but there's a big couch here so you know we you know kind of go you know the mental health couch over here therapy the sessions man yeah the bar over here so yeah we we've um it's it's good we it's, although i i don't live you know we have kind of uh, the fire service tends to, well, at least for, as far as the city of Boston, it's so expensive to live yeah. in, the, in Boston, immediate vicinity sure. of Boston. Everybody's starting to move away. The fire service is becoming harder to get people together because you were, it was a neighborhood thing, you know, uh, volunteer services, obviously you're in the neighborhood, but, you know, a paid service, people are moving out and away and we've lost a lot of that. Hey, let's go for a drink. And part of that's our problem too, but you know, let's go for a drink or let's go have something after the firehouse, you know, um, when we leave, um, 24s, 48s, that kind of, that's changed that culture that, that let's have a beer kind of thing. Um, certainly, you know, you don't, you know, the, when we were doing 10s and 14s and we would go out in the evening or right after work at three o'clock, you know, I'm sure that didn't go well for every family. We'll put it that way. 
Um, but it was probably more. easier to pull off on a ten or tens or fourteens because on a twenty-four you're there for a day. You got to get home. You got you know. Well, you, well, you got to get home. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's we start in the morning. So that's right. I mean, that I mean, yeah. I mean, you can start in the morning, but yeah. that you know, starting in the morning is a long day. You know. So. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, you bring up a very good point, right? Because I think I understand of what I know of the Boston Fire Department. It is very neighborhood oriented, right? A lot of a lot of city departments are right that the the stations yeah. are the focal point of that specific neighborhood but a lot of it is guys walking to work taking mass transit to work riding their bicycles to work when it's a neighborhood firehouse and the guys come from those neighborhoods but you're making a very good point as as the cities get uh, more and more difficult to navigate and to live within guys are pushing out which takes their time away from the firehouse takes their time away from the neighborhood yeah and then and then you, that esprit de corps that is so important in the fire service is um I wouldn't say it's gone, but it's 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 harder to keep it going. Um, and so many people have, you know, we we're young Boston, a thousand. We put out a thousand people in ten years. Mm. Out of sixteen hundred people, that's a lot of experience that not only has gone, but a lot of new experience with new families. Sure, you know, and, and that's a different priority, of course. You know, you got little kids at home. You you know, it's not the firehouse becomes less and less of a. Uh, a social thing to hang out and more and more just a job and and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that <clears throat> but we need to make it up at other and other ends of it you know um social events that we make events make not make the new kids go but make them understand that it's so important to go to funerals and wakes and 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 you know firehouse functions and um, you know, those, those, um, let's hand out candy to the kids on Halloween, sure. you know, that kind of thing. And all new guys, you should be here. You know, part of that's the senior guys, I think, you know, we, we always, we're human race, right? We're, we're quick to blame others, right? I always, I've, I've said, especially now that I'm one of them and I mean that gray hair, um, <laughs> that did those guys at the kitchen table say the same thing that I was saying? last year about these new kids you know and i don't think i ever said you know those kids are ruining the job and things like that but i mean we made jokes about like oh my god look at this yeah is it our fault that or is it our responsibility i should say better word our responsibility to make sure those new guys those new people guys and girls that they know what's expected of them i I think yeah go ahead go well no i was just gonna say we come into the firehouse and you sit down and we don't know anything even if you think you know something, you know what I mean? You, we don't, you don't know. You could be, and, and actually that was, you know, we all learn from our own mistakes. And I think I, I knew a little bit about the job, probably a little bit too much. And, and maybe I, some of my decisions were made on based on my previous experiences with other jobs and, and things like that. Fire yeah. departments that I've seen, buff, sparking, things sure. like that. Sure. And um, that's not, you know, maybe in retrospect, that's, you know, it's not always based on spark decisions, you know, you know, uh, sparky decisions. You sure. know, it's got to be based on, you know, sound uh, managerial decisions, you know, uh, you know, fire ground things, things like that. But more importantly, it's the stuff that we do in the firehouse. I mean, that I always say the fire ground's easy. That kind of falls into place as far as leading goes. It's the firehouse stuff that you got to got to put on. And I think, you know, we lose a little bit of that because it's all got to be done at the firehouse. Where before we can have a beer over here, yeah, or a beer on the couch, or go to a, a local place and and talk about you know our family and our friends and 
that doesn't happen as much in the firehouse because we're dealing with now we have training, we have to, you know, we have that social part that we're trying to figure out too, but it's, we, we all got the responsibilities of in, in the firehouse and, and, you know, the, the volunteer service, albeit a, a while ago when I was involved in it was, is a very social thing, of course, you know, I mean, it usually becomes, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, a, a social gathering area sure. like the second floors and sure. things like that you know the upstairs meeting rooms and but and, even uh, that's suffering you know as as the numbers dwindle in the volunteer service we don't have people staying as long after calls anymore we don't have the the tutoring the mentorship that we once had even myself when i you know run over for a call we're going out the door 700,000 times a year you know running fire rounds it's like if you're not a bunkin program or you don't have the opportunity to stay you know there um to dedicate a, a definite time to your service, but it's a home response. Like you're always running out because you might be running to the firehouse five times a day for nonsense yeah. runs. And so your time becomes limited. And so you don't stay as long. You don't have that banter or that extra half a second to talk to that new kid or young kid. And that is detrimental to the volunteer service. And it also happens in that career, in the career service too, on your side, it, it certainly happens. You know, guys are responsible to get home and take care of childcare because their wives work, you know, so they have to get home from the firehouse. They can't hang out. They can't find a way to finagle a couple more hours of socializing because they have obligations and important things that they have to do outside of the firehouse. You know, something you brought up that I, that piqued my interest there real quick was I love the, the term spark, which is uh, up in the new England area. It's being a buff, right? Fire buff and, you know, fire photographer, <clears throat> things like that, you know, yeah. um, and so on. And it's a, especially in the Boston area, um, you know, years and years ago when Boston was burning and so on. I mean, there was, you know, that whole New England area around Boston was burning at, at some points. And, and yeah. so there was, you know, it was um, a very popular thing to do was to be a spark. Yeah. You brought up, you brought up a, and made a, a really interesting comment to me. And I think it's something that we have to talk about. It's finding that fine balance between being broken down and understanding and knowing your department and getting rid of the things that you've known prior Right. But finding an even balance where that can influence your decision making, but it has to be done through the eyes of, say, the Boston Fire Department. Yeah. That's a and sometimes that's a tough thing to navigate for people. I, I have found, um, especially teaching, uh, um, which, you know, in the state academy, it's sure. more of a structured um, program that we're delivering. It's I, I work primarily for the recruit program. So it's a very structured program daily, you know, um, but I also have the PL Vulcan thing that we go on yeah. our, on the road with. <clears throat> and this is where I'm teaching with. So in, in the state Academy, of course, it's primarily, in fact, I would say all Massachusetts firemen, although there are a Connecticut guy here and there, and you know, this, this scattered, but for the most part there in the campus that I work at, it's all Massachusetts firemen. So we're right. all thinking, we're all dealing with the same kind of things. Um, you know, pretty much the kitchen table that we call it the ready room it, at the academy is other than drafting out of a lake or something like that, that somebody might bring up some of the other right. departments. I, you know, we can engage in every conversation, you know, sure. uh, drafting, uh, you know, right. Okay. So. <laughs> and I appreciate what they can do. Let me tell you, they get water out of a rock. And, yeah, and no, I, that's very true. I, I just, you know, we, when you got hydrants every four to 600 feet, you know, yeah. you, you're just become a spoiled brat, you okay. know, as far as that goes. Makes Water, sense, what do you need? Yep. Um, I got it right here. Yeah. But when I, 
I morph there. When we go out on the road, I'm teaching with guys from New York City, from California, right. Colorado, uh, Kentucky areas, in Florida sometimes. I mean, we so we get so now we got now we kind of have to make things go in the right way. And it's funny because we're all like minded, and some of my uh, people that we work with, you know, from New York City, they you know, an officer and five guys, officer six people. I mean. You know, some of these, some departments that might be your whole first alarm Correct. assignment, let alone one engine or yep. truck, yep. you know, so um, it is, uh, you know, they have to come down to, you know, speak the level, if you will. Um, same with um, bringing your outside experiences in, you know, in my case, into a, a new, um, a different venue, if you will. And uh, that was a little bit of, that took me a little bit of you know, maneuvering, not long, but especially being a boss, as a fireman, it was, it was kind of, you know, you, you do what you're told, basically, sure. you know, uh, but then becoming an, an officer, and I, that was after five, six years or so, um, I became a lieutenant, and uh, um, I, I quickly figured out right, how, how to, sure. you, know, you know, it's the Boston way, not, you know, don't, <laughs> and, and that's the way it's going to be, and I can affect change, but it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think too, right? Really interesting. Getting to travel like you do, it certainly opens up your horizon to see what other people do, right? But yeah. for you on the job, right? 37 years, right? You came into the Boston Fire Department with a little bit of knowledge and experience behind you. And so it's a, it's a tough thing to navigate for some because... You really want to go in with an open mind and be brandy new. I mean, some of the, maybe some of the best people we have are people that have never been exposed to the fire service until the day they walk into the fire academy, right? Because they don't bring any preconceived ideas or notions with them to cloud their judgment or decision making. And mm -hmm. um, and so that's a really interesting balance because what it does is it requires you to understand the game, if you will, like who you are and how it works. And, mm -hmm. and finding and bridging that, you know, that difference between what you learned and what you know, the conditions of which you already know versus what you need to be taught. And then making sure that you represent the department that you ride for. I think that's yeah. very important. You yeah, mentioned, you, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's, oh, I was just going to say the patch on your yeah. side of your arm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you mentioned PL Vulcan. We should say you are um, co-owner and, and one of the operators of PL Vulcan. You guys um, travel all over the country, all over the world, basically yeah. teaching. Um, you guys have, uh, you guys, I would consider are one of the OG training companies um, that have been around for quite some time. Um, yeah. Please talk yeah, about we, it. it. Well, we, it started, uh, Pete Lund was the, um, the originator who mm -hmm. was a fireman and rescue too. Right. And uh, of course, nine eleven. <clears throat> excuse me. I just started working for them. Uh, I think I only did one class really uh, uh, that summer before nine um, eleven. And then of course, nine eleven, everything paused, you know, for the most part, um, especially anybody did anything to do with New York city as, right. far, as far as on the job, they were all committed to the, to the pile, you know, which everybody understood that. Sure. Anyway, long story short, um, he, um, uh, ends up retiring out of the, the city after uh, after 9-11 settled down. I th think it was uh, 2002 he might have retired, maybe 03. And uh, anyway, he passed away in, uh, on Long Island at his fire department, uh, at a fire in his fire department uh, on Long Island. Yes. And um, unfortunately, uh, so with that, um, Mark Gregory, myself, and uh, Jim Sanders, who's a retired uh, fireman from Rescue 2, um, asked the widow in a Next, the following year or so is like we want to re resurrect this. I mean, this is Pete's life. This sure. is his company. 
Um, so that's where the PL comes from. And he was uh, the Vulcan. That was his name. He was known uh, as the Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So here goes, here we are. And, you know, 20 years later, uh, we're doing, um, we, uh, I've got still 16, 18 people and, uh, we are, yes, I've gone to Okinawa this spring. We went to, um, Alaska. Uh, we've been to, um, we've been to uh, Canada. So yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. We're, we got a couple things in, in the works, um, over overseas but um i don't know we things like that take yeah time, you know yeah of course so you develop relationships too uh, i mean it yeah takes and time. Uh, so we might be in europe and the you know the war of course is is kind of in both yeah. ukraine and israel are kind of holding things up right now we'll sure see what happens so that's fun but, but I, let me let me ask you the whole the whole mission behind pl vulcan though is to push the job forward right it's to take experience and knowledge from your own jobs and careers and then and pay it forward through teaching across the world right so has training always been super important to you from your early days up through your career or is that something you latched on to later on understanding the importance of training because sometimes it takes a little while to really understand and focus that training is a big part of it uh especially you know you're you are 80 1986 hired in 86 Boston was seeing some fire then, I'm sure. Um, yeah. You guys are probably going to work regularly. So training wasn't what it is today, for sure, back then. So right. was that always something for you, training? It, yes. Um, actually, as in, in the volunteer deck, in Naugatuck, it was a combination department. Uh, I ended up, um, uh, on the volunteer side, being one of their assistant coordinators, if you will, uh, on training and um, although being a, a new 18, 19 year old guy, I, I was, I would be, I would interested enough in the job to be able to get people to right. come in and, and, you know, do some training for us. Mm -hmm. Limited budget. It was what it was, but um, it really was a passion that I had right from the beginning. Like you said, early eighties, um, uh, right up to mid nineties to late nineties, even uh, we were pretty busy and it was more OJT. There was less, um uh focused department uh training it would be more company-wide and they were expecting the company officers to do the training which worked great for me because i had a bunch of motivated um, um marine you know i felt like i was with the marines yeah although i'm never i wasn't a marine don't get me wrong yeah yeah, yeah. these guys were they would send anywhere you know and um and it was, it was, uh, I got very comfortable at Atlanta 26 because uh, um, we were busy going to work, but we were busy in runs. So you didn't mind the runs because we had fires involved. And so it was just, we had a lot of fun. I had the same four guys pretty much for 10 years. Um, unusual um, and especially unusual, a busy firehouse because you get, gets tiring after yeah, a while. Sure. With seniority, um it's all seniority transfers for us and um and as you gain seniority you can go to fire companies if you will that are doing less running same amount of fires yeah you know kind of like yeah i got it, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, yeah yeah but uh, yeah but uh i really enjoyed my time at, uh, on huntington avenue and that was an opportunity for me to you know uh, i try to pick something small and i call them 10 minute drills and that wasn't something i knew that i was doing uh, then, but now I really liked 10 minute drills, um, especially as a chief officer, because it didn't put a lot of guys on the spot that they thought they'd have to come up with um, 
you know, a lesson plan right. and have the all morning. It's like, you don't need that. You, you hand somebody a Halligan and tell me what you know about the Halligan, three things. And then you hand it to the next guy. Tell me what you could do with that. And then you go to the next guy and, and, and eventually somebody comes back and says, hey, I didn't know that. Right. Let's, and now your 10 minute drill is a half an hour. And it's not like, Oh my God, Nichols is back again. Oh my God. He's a dentist. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to work with Nichols cause he's a dentist. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and a dentist, what I mean by is that, you know, always drilling. Yeah. So, you know, take, take a little snippets, a little bit at a time. I ended up, uh, we had a, I was a, a captain at a uh, lot of 25, um, where we lost the two members at the uh, restaurant, the Chinese, well, it's a Thai restaurant, but a, 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 the a Japanese, a Chinese restaurant. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in the, one of the members we lost, Warren Payne was, uh, on my group. I wasn't working that day and ended up um, ended up getting new radios that I I still say we could probably talk to Skylight, you know, Space Lab, you know, and um, but typical to a lot of fire departments. Um, I came in the next morning with new radios. Yeah, we had no training on it. I mean, hey, just turn it on. Well, but how do I, you know, I had a little, I was a little savvy with radios. I was, you know, a spark. So I, I kind of maneuver my way around all these banks. I mean, there was like 900 radio channels. I mean, it, you gotta, you gotta give us something, you know what I mean? And even the emergency button, nobody even, they probably told the group before, but that sure. never passed. Sure. It didn't come know? down the line. Yeah. And so, uh, we tested in the emergency button all well and good. And uh, one of the things that Warren um, happened on his radio, no, I, I don't know if he actually pushed the emergency button or if it failed because he was involved in the fire, in fire, he was caught a flashover. Yeah. Um, and if you could see his radio cord and the radio button mic, um, it, it potentially could have shorted out and sent the signal. Uh, but you like to think that you do a little things, and you know you throw a little information out, and then somebody can pull it out of a tool chest in in something. Yeah, you know, is that? Yeah. Know? Well, I think um, what I love the I love the idea of the ten minute drill, right? Because you're right; it's never ten minutes, and it yeah. it there's no there's no pressure or, or formalcy to it that makes people <laughs> want to shy away from it. Um, you know, and in fact, I think some of the best training we do is that informal stuff that comes up on a run or when you got a few minutes in the street standing by for the gas company or something and, you know, you start talking, right? Or you, yes. you know, you grab a bar and you start talking about it, you know, or you grab a hook off the rear or you talk about, look at this building, you know, how would we stretch on this? Those turn out to be some of the best training minutes we have. Mm-hmm. Take opportunity. I even say go into, you know, at medicals, you got to take care of Mrs. Jones sure. on the floor. But yeah. even in a medical, you could look around briefly and say, hey, what would we do? Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was a sunken living room with a pool in the middle. Yeah. Of it, you know, I mean, that <laughs> yeah. would be nice. You know? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. I mean, you can learn a lot um, building this construction. I tell the, uh, I tell new guys if I ever do the, um, you know, if I do lectures, anything to do with the building construction part of it, um, that, you know, look around the, you know, yeah, it's not on fire now, but what would it be like if it was, you yes. know, how would you, how would you act? What would, you know, what would be some of the things you would look at, you know, sunken living rooms. I, I have, I actually have one upstairs that would give somebody, if you weren't paying attention, somebody a, a howdy doody, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, right, exactly. step down to my yep. living room, you know? Yep. Um, and then, uh, so, 
Yeah, it's 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 important. Um, and but we can learn every time you're. Once you put that uniform on for a uh, a a, a, a full time job, or even just get on the rig uh, for a call as a volunteer or a call fireman, um, you could learn something. hundred percent. It may be a quick run. You could look. You know, where's the standpipes? Where's the hydrant? Um, hey, that house is 600 feet off the street. What are we going to do here? You know, a curvy driveway. I can't get the truck in there or whatever it might be. Um, and it's that, um, it, you know, the repetition that we keep doing that, uh, that recognition prime decision making that occurs. Like, I don't remember the building, but I remember this right. happening. Right. And, and yep. so the longer you have, and that's kind of what they're saying uh, with that is that's experience. Well, and I love that, right? Because that's where experience does matter, right? When when somebody takes a a 20, when when they do a 10 minute drill and they can relate it to something that happened in the career, in the department's past, where they said, oh, that fire we had over on uh, 123 Mockingbird Lane, right? Like that's where this could have came in handy, guys. Like this, I saw this firsthand. I can tell you that this works or I can tell you this doesn't work. That's where experience matters, especially on the training side, because it validates the information that's being put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. And, and and the thing about experience, you could be the first day in the firehouse, never have even looked at a fire truck, but converts up to the table. Mm-hmm. Roofers, build construction, electric, you could, everybody could bring something to the table. Um, we should tap onto that. Now, some of the, you know, we, you know, the educational system in the United States right now is not really teaching <laughs> functional stuff yeah. as much as, you know, I had a lot of know, theory, chief, a lot of theory uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 tins in the market. They are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, for a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a four-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart and manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections, having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. 
And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. You know, we have to we have to recognize that. And we we talked about that. Your 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 class the, the other day was you know very much on that yeah. uh, subject. So obviously speaking speaking to the choir, but they um everybody can bring something to the table, you know, and if you can function funnel that, I'm sorry, funnel that to you know a positive way as a leader, um, because we don't really manage people, we lead people. We should be we manage things. We manage the day. We manage, you know, what's happening. But we we should be leading people, and and if we make them uh, understand and, and want to be there, like my and I, it may have nothing to do with me, maybe. But, it, uh, but those those four guys that stayed with me for ten years, yeah, it must have been something. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe it was the other guys, and I was just there. I don't know, but it was you know ten guys, you know ten ten years is you know something to be said about the same four guys in a very busy house, and, and a busy house. So, and um, those are probably some of my fondest memories. What with, company was that? Was that Ladder Twenty Six, Chief? Ladder Twenty Six. Okay, yeah, and you with, spent. Uh, you were you a fireman there, and and also a boss, or just a fireman? No, or? I was only a boss there. Boss there. I okay. started as a fireman on Engine Twenty Two in the South End, mm. and then uh, became a boss. Brief stint in uh, Brighton, ladder fourteen, and then uh, came to Huntington Avenue for the. It was actually closer to eleven years. Okay, got promoted. No, I'm sorry, I went to rescue two for about a year. Um, at the time, there. Uh, this is my career, but at the time they were cutting back companies, and we lost a couple districts, and so I was on the captain's list. It didn't look like I was going to get promoted, so um, I kind of wanted to go to rescue two yeah um they're they're half the city i, I would probably would have retired out of rescue two if i didn't get promoted okay in fact, i would have that that was my like dream house to be it's at. good spot yeah uh i would have and um it would have been great i would have been very happy there and uh and, and you know things happen for a reason and and that's fine i get promoted uh out of rescue two and then i come back to huntington avenue with light of 26 for about a year and a half nice and then at the time uh, Tower Ladder 10 was going to all the working, all the confirmed fires in Division 2, which so essentially was Rescue 2 a little bit behind them leaving. They go on the initial call, I right. go on smoke. <clears throat> yep. you know, so, um, but that was as close to a rescue captain as I was going to get. And Tower 10 is a technical rescue truck along with Rescue 2. So it was essentially the same thing. Um, and I, I had a good run there. I, I was there for seven years. And then, and then, you know, you know, the chief 
you know, you just, you got to go to the next step, you know? Of course. Well, we need yeah. that. I, I talk about that a, a lot lately too, is talking with guys like you and understanding that we need firemen in decision-making positions. So many yeah. guys, you know, um, they, they're firemen or they're company bosses, but they don't want to go up the, they don't want to go any higher because it's, it's, it's just, it's not exciting for them anymore. They want to stay on the line. They want to stay, you know, in the trenches, if you will. And I, I think that we need, the good people up top because, you know, everybody complains about the administration. Um, everybody complains about the command staff, how these guys have promoted so fast. They have no experience. They're, they're talking, you know, their lack of experience shows in decision-making, whether on the fire ground or in policy and so on. And so when all that becomes part of the recipe, we got to get our own people in there. We got to get people that represent the guys in the trenches and understand what it's like to go to fires. And we need them in those decision-making positions to have a seat at the table. Exactly, and I think at some point during your career, at least I, I'm, I'm speaking for my myself. Yeah. I at some point, um, you you almost have to, I don't know, become an adult. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> That's a right. good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like all right, now I gotta. And it's funny, uh, you know, those aha moments, those, you know, you take the you take the job. It's like, oh, I, I probably could do this, right? So my first day as a captain, I was a lieutenant on Tuesday, the, the, the week before. I'm in front of a fire building as the acting district chief because I, I got promoted captain on like Thursday or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Following tour, I don't think I did any tours. Like the following tour was in the chief's car and standing in front of a burning building at five after eight in the morning. There it is. I'm like, okay, aha. <laughs> I have to be the adult here. Yeah, well, so, time to grow up yeah. real fast. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I reach down and I take a kink out of a line. And then I thought that I thought the pump operator was going to take my head off. <laughs> oh, like, and I've known that him forever. But he was, it's, that was his way of like, yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. Um, and then I get in the chief's car uh, and fully promoted. Right. And my very first day as a, actually wearing the white coat and my thing we don't really have a you could there's really no sop as far as acting goes we've done different things helmet you know stickers and things like that i was always my helmet is my helmet my captain's helmet was my captain's helmet that's what's going to be i'll wear the white coat but unless i'm wearing the rank fully i'm not wearing a white hat right that's like to me that was always distinguished I got it. Actual rank. Sure. So I would. So there I am, white coat, black hat. Everybody knows I'm acting, right? I'm standing in front of the building. Um, everybody's like, "Oh, he's just acting," you know. It's like, but you have to be the adult. Now I actually have the white hat because I'm now a, an actual. Um, so I could. Uh, so let me back up. So I could be back on a line tomorrow. You know, I'm owning the car for a bit, and then I'm back on. Right. So you're. I would be in and out. So. You kind of like, and then you get that aha, and then now you're promoted. I'm never going back to ride a fire truck anymore. You know, at least in Boston. Right. And um, so we go to, it's a multiple, it's three or four, and I've got a couple of buildings going like Boston usually does, the back porches, you know, and uh, we go out that Sunday morning, I get there, and uh, so we get to the top floor, and I'm like on the second alarm, so I get interior, I go in second alarm, get to the top floor, and this thing is rocking. 
Yeah. And um, everybody's trying to get up the front stairs. And I've always, um, my my truck mind, I, don't take the front stairs, go around back, you know, get in another way. Everybody else is trying to get up the front or, or whatever, you know. Sure. And so, so where I go up the front, nobody's, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I go up the back, nobody's up there and um, get to the back porch. And I, I hear a couple guys coming up and, you know, they're kind of, they've been in the firefight. They've been there for a while. They're just kind of like trying to get up. And I'm like, Hey, I see that they're gas. I said, give me your rake, you know, pipe pole. Yeah. Boss, rake. And let me pull this ceiling here. He's, he just gets all, whatever he can pull up, <laughs> lifts up into me. He said, chief, with all due respect, not a chance in hell you get my tool. Love that. It's the right answer. Uh, you, uh, you expected that from him. I mean, I come on. I, yeah. Well, as much as I wanted to play, that speaks know, volumes, like, like, right? It speaks volumes yeah. to the commitment of your companies, right? And yeah. and the yeah, I I love that, man. I saw that coming a mile away. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you, what was I mean, I'm sure it was a hard transition. I mean, you're a hands-on guy for for a very long time in your career. And then when you do get to the Chiefs car to that buggy, right? Um big adjustment. It it took a while. It it, it took um and you know you see pictures and 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 I you know you, you know as a chief you're you're still part of the team you know I mean sure. dragon hose maybe not but you know when you're picking up stuff and you know it, to me I was never above like laying out a line or yes. helping drain a line right. or anything like that that was never um, yeah I get the beginning I get the rake you know I'm not supposed to, you know I'm supposed to be more of a, sure. I get that all right so I, that was me took the test got lucky. Got promoted. Here I am. Um, now I don't touch tools. <laughs> yeah. But you know, picking up and things like that, I was always like, yeah, let me let me do this. You know, it's not the fun stuff, but it's still, you know, you, it's still not. A, I'm not. I was never above being picking up stuff. You know. Yeah. But it took a while to get in that role for me. It, anyway, I, I mean, a, a while. I mean, like six months. I I was kicking, you know, and I don't. When I say kicking kinks out of lines, you know. Of course, Chiefs are going to do that. But I might, you know, even when you start pushing lines in or, you know, taking out a window, you, you now you're not doing your job as a chief, as a, as the boss. You know what I mean? And and it, you you have to step back. I had a I had a chief um, in ladder twenty six who, and I always carried a flathead axe. That was my thing, and I, I could tell you the, some of the reasons why I did, but. Carry a flathead axe, and he would bark at me because you shouldn't be carrying a tool as a boss. I said I use the tool to get out of bad places, and here's my other tool, which is a thermal imaging, which he yeah, never had because right. he he was came out in the seventies. Uh, and here's my tools, and this tool, the thermal imaging, I'm watching my people. This tool, the flathead axe, let me do yeah. what I got to do. Gets me out of trouble. Yeah, work well, working supervisor, oh, working sure. foreman. You know what I mean? Um, but get me out of trouble too. And then we, as the, uh, our open up team, or it, it's not a team, it's only one guy. So open up person or the Halligan's person, the Irons person, uh, carries a, uh, the, the act, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, uh, Halligan, but carries a mall, an eight pound mall. Right. So very rarely, if there's a hardened door that they're not able to set the tool, then I had the flathead next to be sure. able to hop in. Sure. We only had one. There's only three people going in. One guy's on the turntable. Um, so it sometimes there's only two if we were one and three. I mean, it, you you work with what you got, you know? Of course. 
that was my thing. It's like, I don't have enough people to, if I had six people that I was supervising, that requires more supervision. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you then, I mean, the transition from company boss to district chief, um, that's quite a transition. What about from firefighter to company boss? Um, you know, it's uh, listening to your, your pedigree, the different companies you were in, all very busy companies um, and so on. Was it what? I'm assuming a lot of people think company officer is the best position that they they've had in their career. I'm curious what your feelings are on that. And then also that transition from being a backstep firefighter to sitting in that front seat, a little bit of that transition for you too, chief, what'd that look like? Well, go for the backstep to the, um, it's funny. Cause I, I started as on an engine. Okay. Um, um, I was, uh, recruited to go to this particular engine, um, Good friends with the captain and everything like that, and and that was cool. And, and then I ended up going to do um, a truck company because they um, um, they were getting rid of the t- uh, the tillers in Boston. So it was the last one of the two last tour tillers in the cities, and I wanted to go spend a little time tillering. Right. And uh, so that was cool. And I didn't, you know, didn't do a lot of it, um, but did some of it, you know. Yeah. And that that was cool. And then and then it got promoted, so I had a little. I had some time on both an engine and then a, a truck and um and then I had you know only I only had a couple three four five roofs you know I mean I didn't get a lot that much time so when I transitioned but I did like the truck stuff so when I tra- transitioned to get promoted I tried to keep myself on a ladder truck didn't always occur but uh for the most part I was permanently assigned to ladder trucks never went to an engine other than uh, filling in here and there for whatever reasons. But um, so I, I, I was felt very comfortable being on the ladder truck in Boston. We use, they're like scouts. So we're always doing the investigation, right. we're always the, the ones that were in there, um, you know, first to find out where things were, uh, you know, whether it's just a smoke detector or, or a smoke condition, whatever it might've been. So I always found that uh, more of a problem solving thing that was always intrigued me. Where's the smoke? coming from where is this odor coming from um and that was the responsibility of the ladder companies right the truck companies in boston do do the investigations and then they'll put the line and then the engine company will put the line in the street or do whatever they need to get to what you guys determined to be the issue correct got it correct yep so um that was a very problem solving thing for me and i i enjoyed that um it gave me an opportunity to uh, learn about the systems learn about the building of course we were in the hospital area. A lot of 26 is uh, Longwood Medical Area, first two. So we had a lot of stuff that we were involved that were uh, you're not going to see very often. Yeah. You know, um, smoke and, smoke uh, uh, control systems and some of the newer buildings, uh, all things that are, you know, high-rise things. And, and um, they weren't necessarily high-rise, but because it was such a large complex, acted like a high-rise. So you know, we get off the ladder truck and walk. I'd ask, sometimes I tell the engine to go around the block because it does. It's it's a whole nother block around. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so um, that was, I think, the transition to um, to the uh, truck to well to to the uh, lieutenant was um, easier because I found that the being in the ladder uh, on the ladder truck very a very comfortable position for me, and I ended up. Um, I ended up, uh, finding, um, I guess a comfort zone with that. So it was yeah. an easy transition for me. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, going to captain, um, 
the lieutenant was, you know, you, you, you've you got, you know, your four people is or five people. You're, the people on your company, on your group, that's the people you're worried about. Right. The people, when you become a captain, it's all 20 people it's you're worried company. about. Yeah. And then, the, and then, and then the, the, if you happen to be the house com- captain, you get all the responsibilities of all the building as well. And again, I, I liked taking on more responsibilities, especially as we, we got older or I got older and uh, your career goes, it's like, yeah, give it to me, you know, put it on me. And um, the challenges, I think um, remembering where you come from, mm. from firefighter to a boss, whether it's lieutenant or captain, is the biggest thing you can have. The biggest thing um, that people forget is remembering where they came from. Remembering how you were treated as a firefighter or a lieutenant by your subordinates, your people that you were either in charge of or people who were in charge of you. Um, if if you're not humble enough to be able to understand that you're not the smartest guy in the room, then you're gonna you're setting yourself up for a failure. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's why I do this. I get to talk to guys like you. Hell of a lot smarter than I am. I like to learn, man. That's why I sit back and listen because there's just so much out there to absorb. And if you're willing to open yourself up to it, um, it certainly will make an impact on your career. And and for you, I love what you said, though, not forgetting where you come from. Um, I think that's super important. And, And the higher you go, even more important it becomes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um. And I remember, uh, you know, we all have tough bosses, you know, at some point or another sure. in our careers, you know, and, um, and, um, you know, so, and I also had, you know, by far more officers that I wish I could have become, you know what I mean? Uh, and you find the ones that you, you emulate or you, you, you look up to and you try to be like them, but you could, you're still got to be your own personality and you yes. still got to be your own thing. And if you forget where you're coming from, you're not humble just because you're, you know, all due respect to chief officers, I was one, so I guess I could say, it. you know, just because you got gold on it doesn't mean you know everything. And That's right. People, you know, and again, forget where you came from, you know. Um, you know, if you're if you were the clown in the back of the bar um, yesterday and now all of a sudden nobody else could do that because you're the chief now. Right. You know, that, that that's a difficult that sometimes that's awkward you know difficult to oh very much so i I couldn't agree with you more and i think though too and this is what i'm I'm really curious then is the segue is don't forget where you came from your early days 1986 coming out of the fire academy and and going into that engine company what was that like for you i mean was that uh was the boston fire department every uh, being a spark you obviously wanted to go to boston i would assume right that was the spot and so um did you grow up in boston is that is that where you're from no, I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, Naugatuck, Connecticut. I, actually, okay. I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. But Naugatuck, we were on the border. Naugatuck was the combination fire department that Got I it. became. Okay. On. Um, and I moved up to Boston in, it would have been um, 85 after I graduated. High, I'm sorry, 1980 when I graduated high school. Okay. And, and I went uh, to Northeastern and then basically stayed in Boston. Got it. But Northeastern... Uh, has a, a just quickly they yeah. have a co-op program so i did the co-op program with them and sat behind a desk doing a couple things and 
like, yeah, no, not no. for me. Still being a volunteer fireman, you know, yeah. go, going home on Connecticut to Connecticut on weekends. Yeah. They, they do the weekend thing, you know, while I was in school and um, decided that I want to make a career out of it. Um, I thought my career in the fire service was going to be volunteer, which is absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd be whatever I would end up to be in the business world. And, um, and then I realized my passion where I really were, my heart was. And, um, like every little boy grows up to be a fireman, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And I wanted to be in a city. I wanted to be a big, a busy place. Um, I wanted, uh, you know, I signed up for New York city, you know, and, you know, mid eighties, a lot of people were, you know, it was a weird time to get hired. You know, it was, there was not a lot of hiring, uh, um some departments were extended their list by years and because they weren't given exams and um Boston was just I would right place right time right exam yeah right. happened to get lucky we were putting on we put on uh Boston in um starting in 83 I think we put on three or four hundred people in in the first couple uh years right end of end of uh uh End of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. And then all these 300 people are all leaving now. So there's been a lot of a lot of retirements. A lot of guys with 35, 37, 38 years right. that have been leaving the job, which is the brain uh, brain trust. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of our experience. Um, like I said earlier, we, you know, we probably put on a thousand people yeah. in the last 10 years. I mean, those are, that's, that's a thousand new people, you know, and what are, we're, what are you guys, what are you guys doing about that? And I mean that in a, in an informal way, like, is there a recognizing how much experience is walking off this job, not walking off in a bad way, but obviously retiring yeah. and getting what's owed to them. Right. And as right. the, as it changes, I mean, the Boston fire department is a big little city, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's a, it's a major urban metropolitan city that offers anything and every opportunity you could possibly need for a fire department. It's going to present itself there, but it's still small on a scale of, a, of you guys are like, I would say you're a midsize career department. Well, 15, 1600 people. That's a, I would say, yeah, midsize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a higher end of the yeah, yeah, size. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And if, you know, Boston's funny cause it's a, it's a neighborhood. It's mm -hmm. really, it's made a neighborhood. So. Yes. You know, people say that, you know, I meet people all over. Oh, where are you from? Boston. It's like, uh, we're in Boston. And they'll say, oh, I don't know, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. It's like, well, you're not really that's yeah. not Boston. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or whatever. But um, if they would say something like Dorchester or Brighton, it's like, oh, well, you you know, you, you are them, you know. You make a very good point because that happens all the time. It's like, you know, I'm a fireman at Dorchester and I'm like, oh, OK, Boston fireman. All right. And they're like, yeah. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, but well, they're, they're neighborhood oriented. I mean, that's that is what they know, right? Yeah, and that I think is so important. And we started this whole conversation a while back about a neighborhood fire department and how important that is, right? Where you get that buy-in from people that come from that first due area, they have a, a just a little bit more of a buy-in because it's their zip code. Yes, it's their zip code. Their family's there. Mm. Um, my um, my daughter-in-law is a, uh, a you know my son uh, grew up out of out of the city but has been living there for um, ten years twelve years now I think um, I got on the fire department sure. but is living there with his wife uh, who is a Dorchester girl Walsh 
And uh, so you can imagine that how many Walsh's came right. to the wedding. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. And they all walked. And we, we, they got married in the back of their parents' house. And they, they all walked to the na- They walked from the neighborhood to the parents' house. So cool. And that I, is just so endearing yeah. to Boston. I mean, it is, yeah. it, it is just a very cool thing to do. And, you know, I'm not from originally from Boston, but these, these people have, um, these people, the, the guys in the fire department have families, long lineages. We have, yeah. um, brothers and cousins on the job. Uh, you know, um, my daughter-in-law's cousin just got on our fire department. Uh, she, she was a, a police officer. I think she was in before and then now she's going to be a Boston firefighter. Um, very cool, but that's, that's how the, the Boston Fire Department is made of a, a whole bunch of families that are lineages of of legacies of of uh, of members on the job, you know? Yeah, I do. And that matters, right? Because there's that that protection of the job then. And that's where I'm curious. And that's to bring me back around to my original question is what are we doing to preserve the experience that's walking out the door. We need to funnel that through the next generation and we need to find those ways to share those experiences and that knowledge that's been gained and that neighborhood information and to continue to get the buy-in from your, from your people. Yeah, we've actually um, come a long way with um, managing and uh, mentoring our people, especially the company officers. They have the uh, junior fire officer program, which, um, it's 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 been two weeks. It's sometimes a little longer, but it's basically two weeks for uh, lieutenants and captains, um, newly promoted. If you haven't done it, and you know they, it's not just the paperwork stuff. It's how to right. run, you know, how to be a boss, you yeah. know, um, and um, not so much. And this is not this is this is the fire department, not just Boston Fire Department. Not so much. Um, I mean, you think about when we go to drill school, right? We go to drill school, what, 16 weeks, 20 weeks sometimes. Uh, you get out of drill school. You're lucky if you get a first-line supervisor training, you know, a week or two. Yeah. So we did 16 weeks. We go to two weeks. We get nothing usually as, That's right. as a chief officer. Yep. Unless you do your own right. training. Now, um, I believe um, – I believe – they are developing a chief officer program for us. The problem is, is there's a lag, you know, for us. Um, so uh, Mark Gregory just got promoted to battalion chief yes. down in New York City. Mm-hmm. They sent him to school yes, or, or like a month before that. And then he couldn't get promoted unless he passed his school. Right. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Um, so they, but they have, he got promoted like 35 battalion chiefs or 40 battalion chiefs. Right. We're promoting a, one a month. Right. You know, or, or one every couple months, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's very difficult. You know, there's going to be a lag if you wait to put a class, you know, to, to do a class of six of when you actually get promoted to actually go to that's the right. class. You know? Yeah. And, no, that, and sure. that's what's happening with even the junior line, junior uh, officers, program that they uh, have. I mean, you could be promoted for quite a while before you actually go there. It doesn't mean that you can't, but you might have bad habits or been doing something that you could have done better for six months prior to, the, to this class. Yes. You know? um, so I think we, I think as a fire service, we have to look into um, tapping some of our, you know, senior people maybe, uh, you know, to run some of these and share some of this knowledge and, 
And you asked me, you know, where's my passion? My passion right now is I'd be going nuts if I didn't have the fire service training. Yeah. Um, part of my life. Um, I mean, the fire service was, you know, like m- most of us, you know, such a big part of our lives. And for me, it was uh, a big part, obviously. I mean, you can, you can yeah, talk. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, it was a passion and I, I always wanted to strive to do better. And, 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 and I, hopefully I, I have done better and I, and I can, you know, my training, I can share what I've learned, what I've screwed up, you know, I mean, you learn just as much doing it right as you do it wrong, you know? This job's built <laughs> on mistakes, right? We yeah. make mistakes every single day, whether it's an administrative yeah. mistake, an operational mistake, we make mistakes. And and we learn from it. And, that's, that's, and you, you should learn from that. That's right. I always say the more you screw up, the better you're going to get. <laughs> I I believe in that, right? It's, I, you, uh, know, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to crack some eggs, right? You got to yeah. crack some eggs before you make the perfect omelet. And, uh, you know, there's, there's something to that, especially in the fire service. And um, you're not going to get it right every single time. And I think that's a big part of the conversation too, for the young people coming on is that understanding, you know, that you're going to make mistakes, but it's how you deal with that and how you move forward from them is what sets you apart and, and sets you up for a successful career. Yes. And I think too, is that there's so many people that we it's instant gratification right i have a question pick up my phone yep i need to know something pick up my phone yep it's instant gratification some of these people are coming into the fire service and like all right i'm going to be a lieutenant i'm studying already well why don't you try graduating from the drill school first and and then you maybe go from there or you know maybe take some other classes it's okay to study could you learn stuff studying Life is fast. Soak it in as you go along. You can't. Yeah. Chief, you bring up a very good point, right? Everything is, everything is immediate these days. And so we want immediate gratification. And, you know, if the goal is to, if you think the goal in firefighting is to just promote up and to make more money and to be, have a more prestigious title, you're mistaken. That's right. You're mistaken. And this, this job career volunteer it is based on experience. And the only way you get experience is through longevity. You can't, there's no other way to circumvent the system. That is it. Mm-hmm. You have 30, almost 37 years in the Boston Fire Department and you're still learning every single day after retirement and even you know training with the Massachusetts State Fire Academy and traveling around the country. You're still learning every single day. So if a chief at 37 years retired out of an urban city is still, reti- is still learning, then I'm telling you, you better you better all be learning. I'm still learning. I learn every single day when I get to do this podcast or when I go to a call. You have to be open-minded to understand that this is a long game. Nothing mm-hmm. comes, there's no success based on, all the, all the short-term success is exactly that, short-term. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you want to end up, you know, um, making an impact, making a uh, legacy and how, how you make a, a legacy in your department career volunteer is, is to leave a mark. Yes. Yes. Your name is important. You wear it on the back of your coat, the department name. It's on the back of your coat, your personal name. It's on the back of the coat, right? You yep. want to, you want to be able to walk away after your career, volunteer career. You want to walk away, whether it's in 10 years or a hundred years, whatever amount of time you've done in the service, but you want to walk away leaving a lasting legacy. That yeah. you made a yeah. difference, that you were there for the right reasons. There are a lot of mm-hmm. people that come and go, and we never talk about them again. 
It's because they never made an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 a hundred percent. So I mentioned my my son is on the job. Yeah, you know, and he uh, he's a lieutenant now, which is good. And so he at the time he was a fireman where I was a captain in Tavalada Ten. So they were going. So by the time he got on the job, I was a chief. Um, so they assigned me to second alarm, and uh, I go up. It was like one of these. He was never on my work group, but we always either I was coming and he was I was going off duty. He was coming on duty or right, whatever. So right. when we caught fires together, unless one of us was working opposite, was um, shift change. Yep. Shift change. Yep. Yep. I got you. <laughs> So seven o'clock in the morning and he he's like me, get there early so I don't miss anything, you know, kind of thing. So we out the door we go. He's going on smoke show and I'm going on the second alarm from a different district. Um, we get there. The I report to command. The deputy's not there. And, the, and uh, I said, hey, do you know that the building next door is also burning? And he looks, he says, uh, how bad? I said, well, bad enough. Come on, I keep running on the back. We're going to need right. nines. Right. And he's like, oh, okay. You couldn't see it from the front. So yeah. in his defense, you know, and the thing, it was rocking and he just hadn't, he didn't get enough bullets yet to put into work. So I said, well, give me an engine in a truck. Um, and he says, all right, I'll give you a tower 10. I'm like, all right. So I, you know, I, I said earlier, I'd never go up the where everybody else is going. Right. So tower 10 is ordered to go in the rear of the building. So, um, you know, and maybe it's, Maybe it's a 60 year old guy that's done it before or not, but I open the front door and I walk in, <laughs> walk right up to the third floor. And every, every floor I go to, you know, there's fire in the rear of the building on the porches and it's in the kitchen. It's usually the kitchens are in the back of these three deckers. And um, not always, but most of the time they're in the back. So the porches get going. Usually it's a kitchen area that's burning. Right. So the first floor, it's not burning. The second floor, the kitchen is just going. The third floor is it's going pretty good in the attic space, you know. So, so I put my I sit down at the kitchen table, and the smoke is probably a foot off the ceiling, and I hear towel out of ten coming up there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I heard him force the door downstairs, and they come up there, and and my son is the first one through the door to look at me sitting at the kitchen table with a it's smoke condition three feet above my head, and he's like, "Come on, that's awesome." I, love that. I can only imagine what that that visual, yeah. Yeah, what took you so long? Yeah, where you been? <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. And, uh, you yeah, got it. It's so. got to be. Ex- it's got to be enjoyable for you that you laid a foundation from which your son wanted to follow. Right, the yeah. fire service, the family business, and I know you. You alluded to it before in Boston. That is very popular to have two, three, four generations and cousins, and you know, sister and brother in laws, and brothers and sisters. Like, it's a, It's a family game there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just uh, went uh, to my friend's house in uh, New Hampshire and he, he's the fourth generation. Um, That's cool. Uh, captain in Boston. Yeah. And his father was a um, captain on, my, on with me on Huntington Avenue for 10 years. So, I yeah. mean, small world, you know, I'm sure. Do you, um, so um, retire, how long have you been retired now? Since January, January, so eight months, ten, you know, has it, I know you have training and traveling and speaking and so on, but Hard transition. Um, I missed the job terribly. Yeah, but I love being retired. Yeah, absolutely love being retired. Okay, I'm doing a lot. I'm, I'm spending time uh, with family, of course. Good. And I, I have a new granddaughter, awesome. six weeks old. I have my oldest son yeah. is I have one coming in February. 
So um, we just moved into a, you know, a beautiful house. It was our dream house, if you will. Great. So I, I mean, it's Life is good. all went into place. Yeah. I missed the job. hundred yeah. percent. Missed the guys, missed stone. I loved what I was doing, but it was time. It was, you know, it, it is, was time. Yeah. Another chapter. I got it. Well, you know, I'm glad, uh, you know, sometimes guys lose sight of that. And um, it's good to hear that you were focused on that. You know, you you hear a lot of guys talk about, like, I just knew it was time. And uh, yeah. and if that's the case, then good for you. And, uh, yeah. you know, you still got a lifetime ahead of you. And, uh, you know, you have you can now even make a broader impact, you know, because you're outside of the compounds of, of the, the confines of Boston now. And you're going to be teaching and educating across the country. And that's where you mm-hmm. can really make an impression um, on the fire service. So good for you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thanks. I, I mean, I, I, um, I had a great career. Um, we, um, you know, we lost, I lost people, and, you yeah. know, uh, but that's the fire service, you know, and then, uh, some were, um, uh, some were traumatic losses. Some were just losses because of it, just life, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, um, and, that was happening and you know we get older and you know friends are getting sick and things like that and yeah, i'm like yeah it. you know yeah sure i can do another four and a half years in the fire service you know in in boston i'm still in the fire service yeah yeah but boston um but you know like you said i, I have a long life and hopefully you know things are all falling into place with the great yeah that's yeah, it's well, you know, it, was, it was time. I, I, and that's what I mean by I love in retirement. You know, yep. things have fallen into place and, and it's good. I, I do miss a job. I miss, we had a, a, a funeral the uh, Monday and saw a bunch of people that I hadn't seen before. But some of those people were retired. It's like, hey, when are you retiring? It's like, yeah, I went in January. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you yeah. kind of lose touch in, sure. unless you, you know, you, you know, I don't see orders anymore. So I don't know where people are moving and when they're retiring, unless right. you run into people, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's just like the old Irish wakes and funerals. That's when you see everybody. That's right. I was just at a wake last night and, um, you know, it was a, a family, uh, an Irish family from Jersey City, New Jersey. And I was not surprised when we pulled up and there was, you know, cops out front, you know, and it's like, well, of course, 10 siblings in that family, um, you know, a hardcore Irish family. They got 10 brothers and sisters. You know, at least one or two had to be cops. <laughs> it's just yeah, how yeah, it works, absolutely. you know? Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, there's something to that, man. I mean, family matters and good for you for recognizing that and, and enjoying your next steps. And uh, and you have 37 years to lean back on with Boston and time before that that you can now share with the fire service nationally. I think it's fantastic, Chief. I really do. Yeah, well, thanks. Good. I well, I want to, yeah. I, yeah, hopefully I can do this for a while. <laughs> you will. You got you got a lot of time ahead, br- brother. I, I promise you that. And you got a great message to share. Uh, you and I, um, you know, we've crossed paths a couple times, and then uh, we just saw each other a couple weeks ago uh, doing a lecture series up in uh, Massachusetts, um, and that was great. I, I did the morning, you had the afternoon, um, and, uh, you know, and so on. So I'm looking forward to crossing paths with you again. And uh, we will. Yeah, brother, keep pushing. Keep spreading your love for the job. It's infectious, and uh, we need that, and we need guys with experience that you bring to the table. We need that experience to be shared, so please share, share, and share. So, Chief, thanks for joining me today on the show. Um, it goes quick, man. You know, that hour yeah. runs by real fast. But, um, yeah, yeah, we'll connect again. And um, yeah. I'd love to have you back on. We'll we'll tackle some other topics or something. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. 
Good. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, where can people you. find you? If they want to reach out, they want to learn more about you or maybe talk to you about PL Vulcan or yourself coming to teach or lecture, where can they reach out to you? An email or a website? Well, uh, we have PL Vulcan training concepts.com. Mm-hmm. You can catch me through that. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Good. Twitter, uh, Captain Pat 10, C A P N P A T one zero. Um, and, and at verizon.net if you want to email me that's that perfect but, uh captain pat 10 um uh feel free to call me uh it, reach out text whatever i'll, I'll get back to you Good. um and um um we can certainly do that um verizon is my carrier so it's captain pat 10 at verizon.net perfect good and uh pl vulcan or uh, you can find me on facebook pat nichols Awesome. Around. Good. Well, we will find you. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot there. Um, I know that your class was well received. Um, and I know that you do a lot of hands-on, uh, teaching through the, uh, Massachusetts state fire Academy and also through PL Vulcan and for yourself and so on. So plenty to offer. Thank you brother for spending an hour with me this morning. I truly appreciate having coffee with you this morning. It's been a lot of, it's been a good conversation. Um, I definitely am going to invite myself over one day to solve some of the world's problems there, um, behind you at that bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love to uh, see that firsthand and get, uh, get the rundown on the history hanging on the walls in your basement. But, uh, there's a lot there. my wife would say every picture's got a story to it. Of course. So. Of course. Yeah. And I'd love to hear them. So we'll have to do it again soon, Chief. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you. Okay. Hang on one second. Okay. Good. Okay. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Do me a favor. Take this story today. A district chief, Pat Nichols, out of the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Plenty, plenty of history and knowledge there in 37 years of responding to fires in the city of Boston. So do me a favor, take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Cause when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy national fire radio.